Good evening, everyone. This is the Healing Our Brokenness podcast, where we dissect problems and solutions that exist among broken people living in a broken world. And at Healing Our Brokenness podcast, we believe that everyone has a story. And when we are walking through our stories, it leads us to the path of walking through our healing. Today is Monday, January the 11th, 2021, and it's still hard for me to think of that 2021. Whether I'm writing a date on a check or taking care of business, I still want to keep putting the 2020 down. Uh, I'm not sure where the time has gone today. I tell you, I cannot believe that it is six something in the evening and I still have quite a few things that I want to get done for today. Uh, Thank God I had margin in my schedule because I had one meeting after the next and then I also had a few uh, interruptions and calls along the way trying to take care of business. And so uh, I said, I need to go ahead and get this podcast out here for you guys. Yesterday, I got a chance to interview Victoria Coberly, who is a woman of God. She's a traveler, a writer, a teacher, a blogger, and a tutor. And I want you guys to listen in and just be blessed with part one of an interview with Victoria Coberly. Tell the listeners about some of the locations that you've traveled to. 
Okay, well, um, as you know, I come from an Italian family, first right. generation. So I've been to Italy many times. I've traveled to also traveled to Spain, France, England, Switzerland, and Germany in Europe. Okay. Um, I've been to in Canada. I've been to British Columbia, um, Toronto, and Quebec. Okay. And Mexico, Puerto Vallarta, Cancun, and Playa del Carmen. Wow, that is quite a few places. The Western Caribbean with some friends. And um, my mom was blessed to come with us also. It was shortly after my father passed away. Okay. Um, yeah, it was a really nice trip of relaxation and connection and being with one another. Um, actually, the highlight of our trip was, uh, well, especially for me, was a boat excursion uh, to a sandbar in the Grand Cayman, where you can swim with stingrays. Wow. So you go out with guides, you know, you get off the boat. And right. uh, yeah, the stingrays actually come up to you and come up to your legs and, you know, um, brush against you. And so, uh, but the best part for us, I think, was um, a back rub from the stingray. A back rub? Getting a back rub, yes. The guide actually picks up the stingray and then massages your back with the stingray. <laughs> oh, my word. Wow. Yes. That sounds amazing. You know, and me thinking myself of getting out in the water uh, with stingrays, it sounds like it's, it's exciting and adventurous. And then at the same time, I can see myself being really nervous, like surrounded by them. So were there lots around you guys? There were quite a few. I would say there were more people than stingrays. <laughs> okay. Oh, but, wow. um... And the guides were very calm and very reassuring. Oh, they were. Oh, so, okay. yes. Yeah. So they, yeah. They, knew, they knew what they were doing. So. That's, which is, yeah. that's a plus, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Unfortunately, my mom didn't get a chance to get off the boat. She tried and our friends tried to help her, but in the end, she just got too scared and decided against it. And um, so she just watched. But she was too worried about not being able to get back on the boat. Okay. If she got and That wouldn't have been good. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. All right. So fear prevented her from getting off the boat. Right. Experience the right. I have that experience. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And do you mind telling the audience about some of uh, your childhood memories growing up in Italy? Yeah, well, I actually didn't, didn't grow up there, but I um, traveled extensively. Okay. So um, I did, I take that back. I did live there for a year, but I was only a year old. So a year okay. to two years old. So I, I don't have any memories of that. Just, um, you know, my memories are from pic looking at pictures. But um, it was actually a time where my parents moved back there. Okay. Um, they were going to stay there indefinitely, but then decided against it, and they moved back to San Francisco. Okay. Wow. So what so, are the things you remember doing in Italy as a child? Do you have any of those memories? That's oh, yes, definitely. Um, well, one memory that really is etched in my mind is I had the opportunity to have my Holy Communion in Italy with my extended family. Okay. Wow. So, Yes. At the time, I was taking catechism classes in San Francisco, and um, I missed the ceremony with my classmates because okay. I was going to have it in Italy. 
Ah, okay. Yes, yeah. So they had theirs before, and then I had mine the following summer. Okay. And uh, but so I had to wait about nine months before you got mine. Yes, they had already experienced. That was, it was a difficult, it was difficult for me. I didn't quite understand how special it was going to be. And I mean, I knew that my whole family was going to be there, but I was just so convinced that having it with my classmates was going to be so much better. Okay. So now that (laughs) I know it's been some years, but yeah, looking back, do you feel like the one in Italy was better or do you, you know, and then also, can you describe like some of the feelings? You, do you remember some of the feelings you had by missing out on the ones with the classroom? Do you remember? Can you just? Yes, I was sad. I was disappointed. I I probably told my mom I wanted to have both. I don't remember saying that, but I could see myself saying that. Okay, I see what you're saying. <laughs> and uh, she kept reassuring me, be patient. Not that much longer. You'll see how great it will be. And mom is always right. Right, Katina? That's right. That's right. That's true. (laughs) Yes. So she was. And um, which brings me to a uh, scripture um, along the lines of what we're talking about, Proverbs 69. Mm -hmm. Man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps and makes them sure. Amen. Yeah, amen. So I had it planned in my mind that I was going to have it in San Francisco, but the Lord directed it elsewhere. Yep, God had other plans, didn't he? Yes. He sure did. Uh, What are some of your favorite things to do when you visit Italy? Well, one of them is eating. (laughs) Ah, Okay. What kind of foods do you like to eat there? Basically everything. And I, you may have heard of focaccia, the Italian focaccia. flat flatbread. Yes. Yes. So it is very well known. They have the best focaccia in Liguria on the Italian Riviera. That's where my mom's family is from. Okay. So, um, yeah, I just love eating that, of course. Not the best for your waistline, right? <laughs> but I tell myself, on vacation, calories don't count. So Actually, we do a lot of walking when we go there. Okay. And swimming and just a lot of exercise. A lot of exercise. Okay. Wow. A lot of walking and swimming. That sounds like yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like activities where you really get a chance to connect through, com- you know, whether it's via conversation and kind of like uh, maybe a more slowed down pace, would you say? Then from here in the United States, do you think that the pace is more slowed down? In some ways, it is. There, um, in this town, Chiavari, which is, yeah, about 25 miles east of the big city, Genoa. Right. Um, that's where my, my cousins live. Yeah. Um, my mom's side. And, um, pretty, you know, pretty much everything's walking distance. So you oh, go really? out and meet your friends at the cafe, you know, in the piazza, which is the squares there. Okay. And, hmm. um, and in fact, driving there is a nightmare. There's so very, the very limited was, parking. Okay, so now, yes. um, have you seen, do you remember seeing, I know when my son went to Italy for uh, the children's, the Giafoni Children's International Film Festival, he talked about seeing a lot of mopeds. Do you remember seeing those? Oh, yes, definitely. 
Okay. It is moped filled. Really? <laughs> Definitely, yes. Okay, so either you know, Especially in the summer, it just, it attracts many tourists. And really? there's just a lot, a lot of people. And you may have heard of Ferragosto in Italy, which I is- I have not. Um, the, in August, people take their vacations. So people from the big cities come down to the beach resorts. Okay. And so it's extra crowded during that really? month. Okay. Wow. The big cities can be deserted, and then the beach towns are packed. So the be- oh my word! So I'm, I'm yes. it. I remember my son telling me about going to the beach there, and him telling me about like the difference in the temp. It'll feel fine, and then he said, then all of a sudden, like the sun will beat down on you, and you feel like you're about dying. And then when the sun shifts, you'll feel like it's cooler again. You know, he was trying to describe how it was, you know, and that was, um, that was about nine years ago when he went. Yeah. Oh, okay. Years ago when he went to Italy. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. I would love to hear about his experience there sometime. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. He went, like I said, for a film festival and he stayed with a host family Mm -hmm. and, um, was able to connect with, um, like the host family, I want to say they had two children because the one girl who was at a festival with him, mm-hmm. she ended up with a different age group. She was 16 at the time and he was 13. So, uh, but it was a nice experience because he got a chance to try out the uh, different foods foods there in Italy. And he was just yes. amazed how they had like like open meat in the market and everything. And he said he thinks he has a feeling that he might have eaten some part of a horse. And I said, really? He said, yeah, because I didn't think about it till later. He said, I was thinking, what was in that sandwich? And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> he said, yeah, you know. But uh, he said he didn't have to worry about getting sick or anything like that. And he talked a lot about uh, trying out all different flavors of gelato. You know. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of yes. his things. Yeah, gelato. That's mm-hmm. also the best there, too, in Italy. That okay. ice cream is so good. Gelato. Oh. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so that's better than having it over here, experiencing over to Italy, you think? Yes, I believe it's it's creamier. It just t- tastes different. Yeah. Okay, okay, probably like the milk and everything, probably, right? Probably, yes. Okay, yes. okay, wow, wow. But, um, yeah, piggyback, piggybacking on what you were just saying, uh, years ago, my mom and I went to visit, a, um, uh, it was my... My, one of my mom's uncles mm-hmm. in, in Milan and um, he prepared some food for us and there was some cured meat and I had some and then I later found out it was horse meat and I was really? utterly disgusted. Once you found out. Yeah, I, I was young, probably about seven or eight. Okay. Now, how did it taste to you when you ate it at the time? It was fine. I didn't, you know, gag or anything. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it wow. seemed like it, it tasted fine. It's just the thought of that I ate that that made me feel, ugh. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine. I remember yeah. yes. with my cup when I was little and I could have been anywhere from eight to ten and my grandmother called me and my cousin over and said, Here girls, you want some of this? And then we said, What is it? And she said, It's chicken. And then after we ate it, she, she told us that it had been rabbit. Oh. And we were like, oh, we're going to die. <laughs> that type of thing. So, 
Yeah, of course they tell us after we eat it. Right. See, if she, I guess she knew that if she know better that rabbit, we never would have tried it. You know, we never would have tried it. But to me, for what my taste buds remember, and I'm not gonna try any. Um, I won't be trying any anymore. But um, I thought it tasted. It pretty much tasted like it was chicken. You know. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't know until, like I said, once she told us afterwards, you know, but we were kind of yeah. weird. We were looking at it like something looks different. She said, oh, it's chicken. Try it. But she knew had she told us it was rabbit. We never would have put it in our mouths. Oh, my yes. God. So do you think, Victoria, do you think that there's a connection to traveling and faith? And then if so, what do you think that connection is? Well, I do. I think that you need to um, pack a lot of faith when you travel. Yes. You do. Um, There's so many things, you know, variations, things that may not go your way. Italy has a lot of strikes, also known as hiccup strikes. So Hmm. they're a very strike-prone country. And, you know, so you may have plans to go somewhere the next day and then you wake up to find out the trains are on strike. Really? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. They're used to it there, but I think as a tourist too, that can become, you know, very tiresome and difficult. Wow. But um, yeah. actually we went to a small, uh, my, well, my family had an opportunity to go there uh, summer 2010. The five of us went and that right. was great. And we went to a small town called Sori, which is near Chiavati, the okay. town I have been talking about. And we met um, uh, some cousins of mine from my dad's family. And we had a lovely day. We took the train there. Okay. And then it was time to come home and take the train back, right? right. <laughs> so we think. Right. <laughs> we get to the station, and um, I tell you, very, very small train station and nobody's there working. So you, you know, get your tickets online and all that. And, um, I look up at the screen and I, I see that it's canceled. Oh boy. Yeah. So, and we were the only ones there waiting for the train. Oh my word. (laughs) So, you know, I called my cousin's husband and we were fortunate he came to pick us up. Otherwise, we would have spent the night there in a very expensive hotel if they had room, or perhaps just out on the beach. <laughs> or out on the beach waiting yeah. for the next day. Yeah. And you guys were trying to take the train to head back to the airport? No, to go back to Cavity where my cousins live. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was a pretty short train ride. Wow. That is something, isn't it? But I tell you, I, if I remember correctly, we got a round, a round trip ticket. Really? <laughs> oh my goodness. And they canceled it. And that was a good thing, though, that you guys were able to get picked up. Yes, like, it was. What yes. you do? Stay out there all night? Yes, I know. What would yeah. You know? And so, some of these strikes can go on for a few days, too. Yeah. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. And I see what you're saying. Like you said, when you think about it with traveling and then you think about your faith, mm-hmm. um, there can be a lot of hiccups in life along the way. Yes, 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 and a lot of hiccups. Yes, a lot of them. We have everything planned out from start to finish. Yes, we do. I know I do, (laughs) especially when I travel. Mm -hmm. 
But um, yeah. I really would like to learn to be more flexible when I travel and not so rigid in plans. And, mm-hmm. But I have, when we go there, we have quite a few cousins and people to see. So we'll stay with somebody for a week and then go on to our next destination and have it all planned out. But, you know, the trains need to be working for that to go smoothly. In order for it to go smoothly. Yes. I did not realize that they have a lot of strikes. And it makes you think about in life when we are planning different things and, you know, we're planning it from start to finish. It could be like this, for instance, if pending this was not a pandemic, if I wanted to go to the city and planned on meeting up with my mom to go to the museum, anything from my house all the way to, to the city, anything is possible as far as something happening with me, maybe possibly missing my metro train, you know, trying to even get downtown or me getting downtown and my mom running late and her not leaving out the door on time, which would put uh, maybe our lunch plans later or dinner plans, or maybe I was supposed to come back out here and meet someone. So, right. you know what I'm saying? So when you travel and when you go through things in life, um, it's almost like in a sense, you have to leave room slash margin for when things don't go our way. Yes. That's you know a good way of putting it, Katina. You know? That is true. Yes. Yeah. Leaving that margin and that space open um, just in case, you know, things don't work out and we all have things we want, we haven't planned and, you know, kind of going behind it and saying, Lord, this is what my desires are. And then at the same time, even though this is my, these are my desires, Lord, let, you know, your will be done in this situation, you yes, know, yes, yes. realizing that, you know, you're making plans, but we should have a disclaimer. Look, once you become a Christian, your plans are subject to change at any notice. <laughs> you know how you watch the commercials and they talk about the different medicines and they have the fine print at the bottom. And that's how it should be, you know, when we become a Christian, you have a disclaimer on you <laughs> where plans are subject to change at any notice, you know? Yes. Yes. God yes. doesn't have to ask us for permission for in order for him to uh, change allow, yeah. right. allow something to happen to change our plans for life. So it's really something when I think about that connection. Um, and then what I was thinking yes. about, too, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. The parenting stage, I just wanted to make a comment piggybacking off of when you said about the train. I know with my son, when he got ready to come back, because there were I want to say it was was it four? There were four of them, four teenagers, and there was a parent chaperone. Mm-hmm. When they got uh, on their way back, he said, "What happened every night after the film festival was over? They held this big party <laughs> for the teenagers, you know, for all the kids. It was this big party. It was in like he was explaining to me like this gated area, you know." Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, it's not like you guys had a wild time. He said, we had a lot of fun. and hit the music going loud and having dancing, having a good time. And um, he said, on the very last night, all of that happened. Then they had to quickly get their, uh, you know, belongings from where they lived at the host family. And then they had to take a bus that involved a four to five hour ride. And this bus ride was overnight. So oh like my. Okay. Yeah, the party was over at almost 12 at night. They had to get their things and hop on the bus and ride overnight four to five hours to um, 
get to the airport so that they could take their train in the morning. And he said, only to find out after being at the airport for several hours that they had overbooked the flight. So they were not going to be able to get on the plane to come back. Oh my goodness. So I tried to reach him. He told me what the problem was, what was going on. And then I continued trying to reach him, but I was not able to, because sometimes the connection was kind of goofy with me trying to reach him on his cell phone. Mm -hmm. So at some point, um, I was finally able to get in contact with him, but I was all nervous. And I'm thinking, what am I nervous about? There's a parent chaperone on the trip. If he's not able to come back, you know, the, on that particular day, he was able to come back. It's okay. But you know, as a parent, you panic the first time. Yes, of course. We talk about with the plans not going right. And you're, so, his, you're his mother and your son's thousands of miles away. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There you go. So I'm thinking, what's going on? Because I couldn't reach him. So finally, at some point, he called me and he said, well, we were after driving all night, half, you know, four or five hours on this bus um, through the mountains to get back to the airport. They found out they were not, you know, and several hours later at the airport, they were overbooked. And so then the airlines were nice enough to put them in a hotel. And oh, each, nice. Each of them had their own room. And I said, wait a minute. They gave you guys, teenagers, your own hotel room? They put these in their own room. <laughs> said, what in the world? So, yeah, the, the um, you know, the chaperone, she had her room, and then each of the kids had their wow. own <laughs> said, what in the world? What luxury. Yes. He said, the hotel was real nice. And I said, well, what happened? All this time I was trying to get in touch with you. And he said, I fell asleep and I just slept for out because he had been, they had been up the whole night. Oh my. You see what I'm saying? Between right. the bus ride, them leaving at like tw midnight and then getting to the airport and being there for several hours. So they just crashed, I guess, when they got to the hotel. And that's why I was not able to reach him. So he said that, yeah, he had, um, <laughs> he'd fallen asleep and he was out and didn't hear his phone. And by the time he saw that I had called and he got back in touch with me, by that time, he said it was evening there. He woke up confused and thought it was morning and he went downstairs to the hotel because they gave them some vouchers to get free food. And he asked about breakfast and he said, the guy said, no, you mean dinner. And he oh said, breakfast. And he says, no, it's Poor dinner. Guy. <laughs> so he didn't even realize, you know, by them traveling overnight, his whole yes. time was off. Yes. He said, due to the fact that they didn't get a chance to go to leave out on the flight that morning, that evening, once he woke up, he was able to do some souvenir shopping. So the whole trip, he hadn't done any souvenir shopping oh. of that delay. <laughs> and up being another hour, they went to some places outside. He said, you know, uh, by that hotel, they walked mm -hmm. around and was able to do some souvenir shopping. So well, he, that worked out perfectly. Worked out perfectly. He got me and my daughter a scarf, and he bought um, a painting, a nice painting. But yeah, but it ended up working out perfectly for him. Yeah. So we'll switch gears and move on okay. to uh, parenting. So how would you uh, describe your parenting style? 
Well, I would describe it as very loving and nurturing and, you know, appropriate discipline. Okay. Also, and I guess that style of parenting, I did look it up, is called authoritative. Ah. It's okay. not authoritarian where ah. you dictate mostly everything right. to your child. Um, and very strict discipline. We didn't have that. So authoritarian. Okay. Ah. And just allowing them also to learn from their mistakes and to see the consequences, even though it's hard for a parent to watch that. It is hard. Yes, it is. But um, just really allowing and and having them experience teachable moments also. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now, why do you think you guys chose that style? Probably just some reading that we've, that I've done before, um, some parenting classes that we took, it kind of, you know, guided us to go that route. Okay. And, um, you know, I really wanted it still in my children to be kind to others, humble, mm-hmm. help others. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, to treat each other well, you know, I'm grateful right now that they're good friends and we told them growing up, you know, that mom and dad aren't always going to be around. We're not going right. to be here forever. Right. That is <laughs> and true. yeah, that it'd just be so nice if they can, you know, mm-hmm. be in each other's yes. lives and get along. There was a time where they weren't getting along very well, which is natural for siblings. Oh, it sure is. And so I, uh, one day I, I had had enough with it and um, I sat them down and I mm-hmm. I gave them each a tube of toothpaste, small tube, really? a paper towel. And I said, so squeeze some toothpaste out. And they did it. They're looking at me like, okay, my mom said, <laughs> I think she's gone crazy. <laughs> so they did. And I said, now try putting the toothpaste back into the tube. They're looking at me again like, Okay, this is not really possible. It's going to be messy. It's right. going to be hard. And I said, that's what happens when you talk to somebody and you're unkind and you're mean. You say unkind words and you don't treat others well. But, you know, specifically meaning them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then we talked about, you know, how better they could treat one another and, you know, use kinder words and, you know, learn to be patient. Exactly. Always, you know, get your way right away. That is so true. Learn to wait. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. It was a lesson for me, too, Katina. You know what? And now, I should have had my own toothpaste, tube. I love that illustration because you think about it. When you squeeze out, you can't put... What you squash out, you can't put no. it back. So once we say something, you, know, you can't work- take it back. Mm-hmm. You can apologize, which is, right. of course, what you need to do, but you can't take back the words. Right. You can't take them back. Yeah. It's too late. And like the scripture says, there is life and death and the power of the tongue. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Yes, and there so, is. Yeah. Even if we apologize, the words were put out there and... Each of us are wired up differently. Some of us will, you know, it'll go into the brain. We kind of dissect it and we can put it back out in a healthy way. Some of mm-hmm. us take that and dump it onto somebody else and then right. some take it and internalize it. 
So, you know, once we get it out, so to speak, we can't put it back into the tube. I love that illustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. yes. That was a very good one. Yes. So, uh, if you think about it, would you say uh, what was some of the worst parent advice you received and what was some of the best parent advice? You know, the worst parenting advice, I really had to think about that. Mm-hmm. The only thing I could come up with was uns- unsolicited advice on potty training. Okay. The potty training. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I guess I was in a struggle with it for a time and, you know, um, I know people mean well, but they'll just give advice that wasn't really applicable to our situation. And uh, um, so um, I had to get out of the power struggle (laughs) and just, you know, they kids do it at their own time. They should. I found out. And uh, yeah. Yeah. They didn't go to kindergarten and pull up, so right. <laughs> and that is so true that I know power struggle, isn't it? It, it is can be. If, it if can I, be. you know, I allowed it, and then I had to really just backtrack, take some deep breaths, and you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying because it can yeah. power struggle. Because um, sometimes our tendency as parents, you want to think, well, like I'm the parent, I'm in charge, and this is what you're going to do, and I'm going to set this plan for you. And then depending once again on how the child is wired, they're like, well, I'm in charge. I got I'm in control of my own body and I'm not exactly. happen, but this is what you're thinking. I got another plan for my body. Yeah. So, and they are in control of that. Yes. 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 So that yeah, is for sure. It is very tricky when it comes to that uh, particular area. So what would you say would be some of the best parenting advice you've received? really allow and let our kids to be people that God created them to be. And we just really made sure there wasn't any shaming or, you know, condescending or, um, um, yeah, or not, not making them feel bad for things that, you know, were out of their control or, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's, you know, one of the best ad- advice that I got. Yeah. And that's some very good advice because sometimes as a, well, a lot of times as a parent, we could say, well, I should have done this. I should have done that. And there are some things that um, we do need to take responsibility for the fact that we did or didn't do something. However, there are a lot of things in life that we did not even have control over the situation to begin with. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. There's yes. a lot of yes. situations like that where we didn't even have control. Mm-hmm. And um, that no matter what, the situation was going to possibly be the way it was going to be, you know, because we didn't have any control over it. And especially when our kids get to be uh, teenagers. Mm-hmm. To me, that's one of the hardest times because yes. you don't you you even have uh, less control than you thought you had before over the situation. Because if you want them to do something, they may or may not do it. And exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's and true. Yes. 
not only they have to start making their own choices they have to make their own choices. Mm-hmm. and also making their faith their own yes it's no longer mom and dad's faith yes yes yeah and another thing that we mm-hmm. really strive to do was you know and i had to really work on this throughout the years is just really to listen to my kids and not talk so much okay i mean i literally had i remember my middle son my middle child saying uh Mom, you're not even listening to me. Okay, I see what you're saying. It was just like, yeah. Okay, I got hit in the head by two by four. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I know what right. you're saying. Slow down, and then I'd say, "Okay, honey, you're right." Mm-hmm. Try, try saying it again. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm a talker myself, and so, like you said, that can be a challenge where you just have to tell yourself, yeah. like, "No, I'm not going to say anything because I need to be able to finish listening." And yes. absorb what was being said instead of exactly formulating in my head what I'm going to say to what they're saying, you know, or what I want to say next, you know. Right, right. You know, yeah. And another thing we did, we really tried not to do was compare them. Yes. Just, you know, let them express themselves, their own individuality. They all have strengths and weaknesses like we all do and concentrate on their strengths and they're different. Mm -hmm. All of my kids are pretty different. Yes. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I think that's a a wonderful piece of advice because we can tend to want to say, well, how come you're not like this or blah, blah, blah did this and blah, blah blah, did that, but that's not blah, blah, blah. God created each of us, you know? It could be in a room that might like five of the same things, but then we might have 20 other things that are totally different. You know, he right. wired each yeah. individual different. And none of us like to be compared to anyone. So no, we don't. We, I was, don't. we were sensitive about that in our child rearing. Mm-hmm. I think that that's yeah. really... Uh, yeah. really and then just praying. As you know, Katina, I mean, the power of prayer is so crucial and it's so powerful. Oh my word! Just yes. praying for my kids, and I still pray for them, and they're adults. Right. Pray for guidance. Pray for you know job opportunities. Mm-hmm. Pray for a special someone in their life. Yeah. You know. Wow. So now, um, what would you say are some family traditions that you passed on, and that's if you passed on some from like mm-hmm. your parents that you passed on to your children. Yeah, I did think of a few um, on the holidays, specifically Christmas Day and Thanksgiving Day. We have antipasto, which oh, is really? you know auntie auntie means before, so before the meal, um, pasto's meal. Um, we have uh, prosciutto, which is uh, um, similar to Italian ham, uh, mortadella, similar to Italian, uh, similar to um, bologna. Yeah. I'm sorry, not similar to Italian ham. Similar to our ham is a prosciutto. Prosciutto, okay. No, and then, yeah, one of my sons isn't a big prosciutto mortadella fan, so we get salami for him. And Okay. Yeah, and we have olives. We used to, growing up, we would have um, those little jarred artichokes. Yes. Marinated artichokes and oil, but um, nobody really likes them except me, so stop getting those. Okay. So you and, and then we also do uh, chin chin. So, uh, and that kids remind me when I forget. So, chin chin is just cheering with your glasses. 
Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, it's called Ching oh. Ching. And they'll say, we we can't eat yet. We have to do Ching Ching. You know? Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And then my mom used to buy a uh, panettone, which is a Italian fruit, similar to a fruit cake. Really? Yeah. It's the Italian okay. fruit cake is called panettone. And specifically at Easter time, they had one called Colomba, which is also a panettone, but it's shaped like a dove. Really? And it, um, it's covered in powdered powder sugar and then topped with um, uh, sil- uh, slivered almonds. <clears throat> really? That sounds so good. But then again, my family didn't really like it. Really? They did? <laughs> my husband. And now that I can't eat gluten. Right. And so I don't do that anymore, Katina. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But one, one tradition that um, we started in our own immediate family is on Christmas morning, my husband hides baby Jesus from our nativity set. And okay. he hides them pretty well. Really? It's hard to find. Yeah. And so um, they all run down to the basement. My husband and I don't play. Mm-hmm. So it's the three, three kids, and now my son-in-law is involved. So, um, <clears throat> you know, and Tom will give, like, little clues. Oh, no, you're really cold. You know, you're not even close. Are you getting warmer? <laughs> you know? Okay. Oh, you're really hot right now, you know? Oh, wow. But, um, so... Yeah, my my son, my youngest son won this past Christmas, but um, the previous Christmases, my son-in-law had won. So whoever finds baby Jesus first gets to open a, the first Christmas present. Oh, really? Okay. And, you know, we've been doing that for years. They're adults now. They still love it. You know what? Traditions are like <laughs> Yeah. Believe that, yes. I thought maybe they'd grow out of it, but they... They they love it. Oh oh, Dad, you know you gotta don't forget mm-hmm. to hide baby Jesus. <laughs> now they're reminding us to do things right. <laughs> right, that's something you know yeah. hold on to for childhood from child. And I think about my own at Christmas time. That was one of my uh, that was one of my favorite holidays. Thanksgiving and Christmas. Oh my goodness, Christmas right. and my grandmother's when yeah. she to live in the projects. It was yeah. magical, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was very very magical and yeah. with the family and mm-hmm. the music, yeah. lots of noise. It would be hot in there and having the windows cracked open a little bit to get some air. But it, it was a magical time. So I can yeah. see how they would be, yeah. you know, that right. then you know that might be like a magical, you know, sense for them. Being- yeah, I mean, it may be something that's carried on to the next generation. I mean, they may do it with their children. We'll see. They might. Yeah, especially yeah. since they still like to do it as an adult. Right, yeah. You know and I mean? then for a few years, we did the Advent with the candles and the, right. yeah. Um, and I, you know, like the last few years, I I really would like to start it again this year. Mm-hmm. The last years we didn't do it. I mean, nothing, that, you know, we're empty nesters now. Okay. Yeah, I know about it. that. And, um, but that's something that I'd like to, um, you know, do again. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. That sounds like fun times. Yes. Um, now, how has faith played a role in your parenting? Well, I feel like it's played a very crucial and important role. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Tom and I have been praying for our kids since they were, you know, 
very young. Right. And, um, and it also played an important role in how I taught my children. And it's, it's just really woven into our parenting. Okay. Um, yeah. When they, when they were preschoolers, we, um, they like this book called Tiny Talks. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Tiny so, Talks. Not Tiny Talks. Yeah, the 13 fictional characters who live in a tiny town. Mm-hmm. And it just talks about everyday happenings. And um, they each contain a moral truth about God's character. Okay. Yeah. And then I believe there's a Bible scripture at the end. Okay. You know, they talk about, you know, what happens when you lie, what happens when you steal, how not only it affects you, but how it hurts other people around you and how it hurts right. God. Okay. Wow. And, um, and another part of the book also encourages children, you know, to be kind and humble, thoughtful to others. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of teachable moments in them woven into the stories. Wow. That sounds really Yeah. Sweet. And they really liked it. Now, my youngest one, not so much. Mm-hmm. There's a three and a half year difference. Okay. But between my second and third. So I mostly did it with my first two. And, okay. Um, like, yeah, in a way, I, I kind of wish I had done more of that with him. But mm-hmm. um yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know how it goes. I know. I do. <laughs> yeah. But um, he did get other things. So yeah. <laughs> wow. Now, um, how would you say your parents played a role in your parenting? You know, I really think they um, they gave me the spirit of adventure and traveling and loving on people and interested in languages, mm-hmm. learning languages, interested in uh, different cultures. Right. And, and also we, you know, I um, grow, grew up skiing. So I was very fortunate. We lived in San Francisco and we'd go up to Lake Tahoe, which is a good four hour drive. Really? Um, and sometimes we would just go up for the day. We would leave really early and come back late at night. Okay. So my dad would do all the driving, so mm. drive in the field day and then drive back. But there were times when we went for the whole weekend, which was nice. That sounds yeah. nice. So, um, yeah, that was the time when skiing wasn't nearly as expensive as it is now. Now it is mm-hmm. absolutely outrageous. We didn't, um, um, my kids only skied a few times. My daughter took a few lessons when she was maybe four or five, but, um, we did bring them up to the snow when our right. kids were little, so they had that experience. Because, you know, San Francisco, we actually lived in Santa Rosa, Windsor, Sonoma County. It doesn't snow oh. there. Oh, so wow. we, we had to be intentional about making trips up to the snow. Right. And um, we'd go with good friends sometimes, which was really nice. And went to cabin or, you know, just on our own. And, right. Um, so the kids had fun, you know, I mean, it was novelty for them. It was exciting to build a snowman. It wasn't in our backyard like it is now. Oh, for sure. Right. Right. It was an adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. So with those, each of those activities that your parents did with you, those areas, you would just, yes. talk, you passed those on to your kids. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I was so thankful that we went in 2010 my uh, husband had traveled for a while with his job, so we had airline points, which was nice, airline miles. Okay. And then we had places to stay. We did go to uh, 
uh, a lake called Lake Garda, just the five of us okay. for a weekend and just a little getaway. So that was nice mm-hmm. just to reconnect as a family and be together. Okay. Okay. So would you say that um, the role that your parents played in your parents and now do you think that everything was positive or do you think that some of it that you had like a positive and a negative side that you, you know, like a negative side that you might have brought over? Do you think? Um, Yeah, probably a little bit too much protectiveness. I think because uh, okay. I, I was an only child and so I had to be careful. I mean, even mm-hmm. still now, you know, mm-hmm. my kids are adults, you know. The protector. Are you doing this? Are you taking this vitamin? Right. <laughs> you know, vitamin D is really good right now. <laughs> you know, prevent viruses. You know? I know. <laughs> sometimes making sure I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but you yeah, know. not trying to tell you what to do. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or just, it's hard for me to wait sometimes to be asked for advice. Yeah. (laughs) I have to just offer. So I have to be, yeah, it's a fine line that I'm treading and I've really got to be careful, you know, to. I know what you mean. I mean, I'm not like super bossy, but um, yeah, it just, and especially now with the pandemic and stress levels are high and the world is turned upside down and um yeah, it's just a very, very different, you know, time in our lives right now. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. How do you think, speaking of that, how do you feel that you have been coping during this pandemic? You know, I, I think pretty well. I mean, I do uh, miss going to Bible study in person. Yes. Yeah, I, we've all become pros at Zoom, haven't we? We sure have, yes. <laughs> I know more about than I ever cared to know. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm teaching yes. on Zoom now also. Right, right. But um, yeah, I it's given me the opportunity, you know, to be with, with Tom Moore since he had been working from home and um, and, uh, you know, making some more recipes that I've been wanting to make and doing some more reading and, Oh, and yes, of course, most importantly, decluttering. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm finding that less is more. Amen. It is. Actually, my daughter got me a book. I think it was last Christmas. Um, uh, not this past Christmas, the other Christmas before previous. Right. Um, yeah. But called less is more about decluttering and mm-hmm. really freeing yourself up yeah, to do other things, to do things that you love. Yes. Yes. It frees you up. It frees yes. your mind up. It frees your heart, your soul. I mean, all of it. Uh, when yes. we clutter certain areas. Yes. And um, we have time to do things because you know how you can say, well, I know it's in one of five areas. And sometimes it can take, I might have things that I know something that might be, I might have stored in one of five areas and it could be quick, but then it could be where something is in one of five areas and it could take two to three hours to find. But when we're decluttering, you know, and then organizing that clutter. Yes. Oh my goodness. Talk about this help and something that would yeah. take two, three hours to find within 10 minutes we have it and we've moved on. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a really good feeling. It's yes. a good feeling. Yeah. It sure is. Yes. You know, but the other yeah it. about the pandemic. You know, last summer we were supposed to go mm-hmm. um, 
to Italy to bring my mom's ashes. You know, my mom passed away. Right. And there's two places specifically that she wants her ashes. And one of them is at a cappella that we own that okay. my dad's side of the family owns. And inside the mausoleum, so she'd want her ashes there. And we were supposed to have a family reunion with my dad's side of the family. Okay. Which, um, yeah, we, in recent years, we just, yeah, we found out that um, the Novari, that's my uh, maiden name, um, family is just very, very, um, rich in history. They, um, there were a few cousins that, um, actually made a family tree dated back to the 1600s. Right. Yeah. So, which is yeah, really wow. cool. That is yeah. Really cool. And, uh, one of them even spearheaded and organized a, um, uh, it's called a Novaria Gazette, a little newsletter. So that was really cool. And we were supposed to have this reunion this past summer. Of course, that fell by the wayside. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look promising for this summer either. It doesn't. I no, know. Because I, yeah. And also, I recently talked to our cousin that is uh, organizing this reunion. I talked to him, you know, right before Christmas. And he said, you know, we're not going to have it unless we could just walk around without masks. And I'm thinking, I guess we're not having it. It's not sounding good to Tina. So, you know what? Talk about God's perfect timing. There will be a perfect timing. There will be, won't it? I know, right? This won't be forever. (laughs) There's a time for everything, isn't there? There is, yes. Definitely. What advice would you give to someone who's struggling at this time during the, the pandemic? To really... Be intentional about connecting with others if they can, you know, get into a Bible study, get into the word. Um, Definitely don't stop praying. I mean, you know, just be intentional about that and take this time for opportunities to do other things, maybe that you've been wanting to do for so long. That's true. You know, if you have the time, mm-hmm. uh, projects, decluttering, spending time with family, spouse. Mm-hmm. So you well, I don't. I guess spending time with immediate family. Right. Let me rephrase that. Okay. <laughs> but that so basically, be, intentionality was what it seems yeah, like you're saying. Yeah, you have to be intentional about it, and. Um, and I've kind of gotten over, like, oh, I'll tell myself, oh, another Zoom thing. I'm so tired of Zoom. But then I think, gosh, I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. Amen. You know, like this time that we have now and mm-hmm. it's the next best thing. It is. That is true. Person. Yeah, it is. And right now that's not feasible. So not. you're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. It's not feasible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's just making the best out of a bad situation. That is it, isn't it? That yeah. is so true. Wow. So, Victoria, can you uh, describe for our audience, uh, go into detail about what it is that you do for a living? Yes. Well, I'm a teacher. I've been a substitute teacher for many years. I intermittently teach Italian classes. I've taught children. I've taught adults. And I've also tutored. Um, currently, I'm in a long-term substitute position with special needs students and I'm really okay. enjoying it. 
Really? And uh huh, it's been really good. Of course, it's all remote. Okay. <laughs> um, ho- hopefully, we'll be going back in person soon. Now, what would you say would be some of the challenges to teaching uh, special needs remotely? What do you What do you find as some of those challenges? I think. You know, some, if you may get on late or, um, I mean, I do use a whiteboard and that helps. Okay. Yeah. But that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> I was just um, thinking yeah. to myself, cause I'm picturing, you know, I know in a regular classroom, but then I'm thinking if it's like special needs kids, you know, is it different? Yeah. Yeah, and they're used to being. Yeah. Well, actually, the, the, this group of kids are amazing. They're doing really oh, okay. well. Okay, they yeah. are doing well. They are doing well. They seem to be following directions pretty well. Um, we've had to set limits with the restroom. Okay. And unless it's really an emergency, they can mm-hmm. wait and go on the break. Okay. And. Um, Yes, sometimes. Well, what's difficult, too, is, you know, are they following along with what I'm teaching? I have to, because I I don't have two screens right now. And so I can't see if the student is on the right page or. That's the part. Yeah. Yeah, that's the tricky part. Yeah. As you move along the lesson, ask specific questions and they answer correctly, then I know that they're on task. Right. Yeah. That makes sense because if you're on page 50 and they might be on 47 and you don't have a clue and they're kind of lost, but it's hard to know that. Yeah, because you're in different places. Right. Whereas if you're in a classroom, you can kind of walk around and look. Oh, definitely. It's totally different dynamics. Right, right. Being in a classroom. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. So how did you end up getting into that path? Well, I initially started off a, a major business major and okay. I majored in Italian language right. and I worked in banking for a while and mm-hmm. that was just too structured for me. And okay. uh, the environment had really low morale. We weren't treated very well. And so then I always had a passion for children and teaching. So I decided to go that route. Okay. For children and teaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Specifically children, but I really enjoy teaching adults too. Really? Mm-hmm. I wow. Do. So is that the path you set out for upon completing high school? No, I went to uh, Sacramento State University. Okay. In Sacramento, California for oh. um, my bachelor's degree. Yes. Okay. And um, I had been toying with the idea of going into education. In fact, I almost, I, well, I started off undeclared because I didn't know, like many right. students do. And then I decided that I would do business, I think, purely out of because I didn't really know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And then um, I did decide possibly teaching would be a good field for me, but I didn't never did change my major. And so, yeah, okay. I just finished with that. And, um, and then it got my teaching credential. Um, four years after I graduated. Ah, then you got your teaching credential. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. So um, what advice would you give to others uh, who are interested in pursuing a career uh, such as yours? Give yourself lots of grace. 
Okay. <laughs> yep, they, they, and, they, yeah. And of course, the love for children. Yeah. The primary reason. Extreme patience. Okay. Mm-hmm. Extreme patience. And know you're going to work long, you know, long hours. It's hard work. Yeah. But it's very, very rewarding. Okay. That's good advice. Very rewarding. Very rewarding. Yeah, working with children and seeing um, the progress as you go along, right? And yes. I know for me, homeschooling, you know. Yes. That you, see, you know, me seeing the progress yes. that the kids are making. And then, you know, um, as they grew older, me seeing how they, you know, like me might having in my head, well, maybe this this and that and other, I didn't teach long enough, or maybe they didn't grasp on, but then seeing later, it all just fell in line, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I enjoyed homeschooling, too, Katina. Yes. Yeah, when, when I yes. did do it, but I felt, too, it is a lot, it is a lot of work. Did you mm-hmm. kind of ever feel pressured, like, oh, am I getting it all in, or? I did. I, now, in hindsight, oh, I wish I had relaxed maybe a little more. <laughs> me, too. I wish I had done, you know, there were times we took it easy, but I do relax, uh, wish I was more relaxed in yeah. my spirit, you know? And yes, definitely. Younger, but a lot of that had to do with uh, my own brokenness as well as uh, the marriage that I was in, in the, at the time. Right. Brokenness that uh, stressful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I love your approach to teaching foreign language, though. Really? May I be one of your students? I want to <laughs> join your homeschool room. <laughs> <laughs> My kids will be like, Mom, we've been studying foreign language. We've been going. I'm like, well, we're doing different ones, but we've been doing this for two hours already. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we'll finish up soon. We may forget how to speak English if we keep going down this road. I know, right? You know what's so funny? She was like two, and I was working uh, in the IT department at a bank at the time. And one of my friends that worked in the loans department, she sometimes would come out to the car and say hi to the kids when I get ready to go the day. And I said... And I was telling my daughter, I said, Hannah, go ahead and um, count, uh, count for Miss Elvira. And she started counting in English. And by the time she got to like number seven, she switched over and started counting in Spanish. And she says, oh, they're going to put her in bilingual classes. <laughs> and we laughed about it because, you know, she just switched over like her brain just went right like that. Yeah. That automaticity. I love that. Yeah, but it was so cute. You know, when they're that little and they're speaking another language, it's so cute to me. Um, And I can remember, you know how you have those hardcover, like the cardboard books, the really hard books, Mm -hmm. those thick ones they have. Yes. So I had a few of those for uh, my kids that were in um, Spanish. And Hannah loved going through those books and we would turn, you know, the pages and you had a snake and she was serpientes and turned the <laughs> and had one yeah, with the ladybug and she said mariquitas <laughs> you know <laughs> so cute. you know you can't help but like it yeah. when speaking another now, language now remind me of the all the languages you introduced your children to I just think it's fabulous sure we did Spanish we did French uh, and very little 
Mandarin Chinese. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so Spanish, French, very little Mandarin Chinese. And then um, as they were getting older, like older teenagers, mm-hmm. they had a lady to work with them and teach them Japanese. Nice, yes. Start, and then they went to a um, junior college mm-hmm. and got more training in Japanese, you know, formal yeah. training. We talked about that. Yeah. My youngest son um, studied Japanese. The youngest one. Yeah, he, right. took, he took it at a CLC. Right. Semester, but, yeah. And then he did some on his own. I'm not, it seems like he's dropped it for now. Okay. Yeah. He might pick it back up. He, later may, he may pick it back up. Yeah. He, um, mm-hmm. he really enjoyed it. He did. Yeah. And he, yeah. he was motivated just to do a lot on his own too. Yeah, and that's what my kids were doing. Yeah. They would bounce back and forth with each other speaking the language. You know, that's nice. They had somebody to talk to. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they would bounce back and forth uh, with yeah. the language with each other, and um, and then what happened too? Like my son's maybe his second to last semester. Um, at the junior college, he ended up doing uh, having Italian. Mm-hmm. And I had gone over French with him in mm-hmm. homeschool, but he ended up doing Italian and French, taking those two at the same time. Mm-hmm. Nice. I did speak Italian to him one day. Yeah, he knows right. it. He really understands. He knows it. Yeah, he is really something. And sometimes he'll go and put on. Um, I'm trying to think, is it called Radio Lingua? It's a radio station that you oh, yes. and listen to different languages like that. Mm-hmm. You know, when he gets ready to go to sleep, sometimes he'll do that. Yeah. And, uh, the funny thing is, one time I thought somebody was in the house. I was like, what is that noise? You know, somebody having a conversation. He left it on, and the languages are still going, you know? Yeah. Sometimes he'll go on YouTube and listen to this one guy. I can't remember the guy's name. I know his name. <laughs> I see, see it. Mm-hmm. Guy is not Japanese, but he's very fluent in Japanese. Oh, yeah. And yeah. my kids got to the point where they were watching. Um, they liked Asian soap operas. They used to watch that one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. funny. So, yeah. I'm perpetually behind in my Spanish studies, but mm-hmm. especially now that I'm working full time. In fact, Duolingo app has stopped reminding me. <laughs> You know what? That is kind of practice. I think I've been off their radar for a while now. Okay, because one while they were bad, and after that, I guess they said, we're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, my word. You're thinking I'm a hopeless case. I wonder what she is or if she's ever going to come back. <laughs> they probably haven't sat in their system to do so many reminders. Yes, yeah. But it is so similar to Italian. Wow. And I get so frustrated, Katina, because I can read it and I can um, understand it very well. It's just I get pretty tongue tied trying to, you know, formulate a sentence or two. Okay. Wow. That's something, isn't it? Yeah. I know the speaking part in learning, language learning comes last, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> wow. So what are some of the mistakes that you think you made along the way in getting you to the career that you are in now? You know, 2020 hindsight, I it would have been nice if I started earlier. Okay. And, and not had those other experiences, but mm-hmm. um, 
I guess those other experiences also shape who I am today. So. Right. Yeah. Right. And um, so. Wow. That's something, isn't it? And then so we're going to move on over to um, writing and discuss what your genre is uh, in your with your writing and what drove you to that particular uh, oh, okay. style. Yeah, with well, your just like we had talked before, I'm mostly journaling now about different yes. topics, different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had the opportunity in my Bible studies to present my testimony. And so I'd like to expand that further eventually into a memoir. Okay, I was going to ask you about yeah. that. And I was going to yeah. ask you as well, do you think you will ever take your um, your journaling pages and put them in a book? Yes. You do? I'd like to do that, yes. Yeah. I, was, I thought about that as an idea the other day when we were uh, talking, you know? Yes. Well, I was going to ask you, and I forgot that if you ever thought you would use your journaling pages and yeah. have them as a book. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then I'd have to add a lot more to it, but just, of course, okay. much more detail. Right, right. But and the framework of the book would be there. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and one thing, too, about journaling, when you do it and you think of it as journaling, it takes the, how would I say, it takes out all of the the so-called expectations we have for ourselves for how the, the writing should be, whether yes. it's not real polished and all of that. And I think yes. it probably allows for um, more authenticity in our writing. Yes. I don't worry about the grammar. It just kind of all spills out. Right. And but I know once I start this memoir, it's going to be a different story. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I'm going to want every sentence to be perfect. Yes, you know what? Just always. And that's sometimes that's a hindrance. You know, it can be a hindrance. <laughs> I was doing that in the beginning, and I have to yeah. learn to give myself grace. So much grace. Yes. Right? Yeah. You know. Well, you inspire me so much, Katina, with all that's the books so you've written, and and that you can write a book in a week. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> you do. It's amazing. <laughs> oh my goodness. I've never written one in a week, but I, I have written one in, oh, a, okay. in a month. Oh, in a month. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a month. But I, I'm sure you have a lot done in a week. Oh, yes. In a week, I do. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm on a, a, a really tight deadline, yeah, yeah. you'd be surprised at how much you can pump out, you know, with writing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Especially if you get your mind. And good writers, you know, I feel like good writers, like yourself, you get everything out and then you go back and edit and edit. And yes, that's how change you do things you around, it change your sentence structure, yep. change yep. paragraphs, mm-hmm. you know, add this, remove that. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, add and remove, exactly. So what is the latest book project you're working on or what do you think that you're going to be working on for the near future? I, I, like I just said, my my memoir. Your memoir. Okay, that's the, what that's one of the things that you're gearing toward. Okay. Yes. Now, what are some of the hurdles that you had to endure, um, and how did they affect your writing? I think just trying to be perfect. 
right it's to them mm-hmm. at that time in their life right it's really important mm-hmm. and um yeah how does god want to help people through our through our writing right that is true so how do you think brokenness can assist as well as hinder a writer if i'm worried about how readers are going to take it or possibly even offend somebody. And then I, that would hinder me. And I may not be able to express myself freely. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying. And then again, I wouldn't want to water it down. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And then, so what does brokenness mean to you? It, to me, um, just are very, very painful areas in our life. Okay. You know, things that have happened to us. And mm-hmm. I've experienced some trauma in my life, like so many people have. And um, I think that the brokenness really shapes who we are, but it's really important to move forward with it and not be stuck in it. Okay. And yeah. not be ashamed to get help. Okay. To get, you know, good godly counseling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God is the healer. Amen. He, you know, he specializes in broken hearts. Doesn't he? Like that's been in the scripture. Yes. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their, up their wounds. I love that scripture. Amen. Amen. And there's so much freedom in knowing that, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is so much freedom. A lot of freedom. Yes. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, why do you think people stay in a state of brokenness that they're in for so long? Well, it, I think it takes courage to get help. I would find it very difficult to do just on your own. Okay. I think you need good counsel. You need a community support from safe friends and family mm-hmm. and um, I think it could be easy to to just stay in your comfort zone for someone to do that yeah and not want to move not want to move ahead or or fear also of what could happen okay um, if they let go of some of this brokenness that could yeah so fear you would say uh, fear keeping them back, holding them back, and then you yes. think uh, also wanting to stay in the comfort zone. Yes, and yes. it's hard to get out of the comfort zone. It is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sure is hard to get out of a comfort zone. Because then, what's on the other side of that comfort zone? Exactly. The unknown. The unknown. Yes. yes. Fear of the unknown. But God walks with us. He does. He does. And Amen. He comforts us in the unknown. He we does. We got to look for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And when we so, we can get so caught up in what's familiar to us, we miss out on a lot of opportunities because of we're worried about what we're stepping into that we don't know, which is not familiar to us. You know, right? Yes. Yeah. So and brokenness can really be a catalyst for change. It sure can. You know, it gives us the opportunity to learn and grow. Right. Right. And change our ways that are, you know, perhaps not 
helping us function well in life or in our relationships. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah. So um, what were your areas of brokenness and then uh, how did God begin to heal you? Well, like I said, I experienced some trauma and um, just kept a lot of it inside and really, you know, share much um, really until my early 20s. And then I began seeking counseling and that has really helped me tremendously. Okay. Um, the therapy. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so what advice um, for someone who is dealing with the areas of brokenness that you struggle with, what advice would you give them? Well, every day is a new day, new, you know, mercies from God and to be thankful for everything, really. I mean, there's always something to be thankful for, even I know in the most difficult circumstances. And I think just for them to give themselves grace and seek counsel and, um, you know, if it it isn't feasible seeing a therapist right away, counsel from a pastor or good friend or family member you're safe with, feel comfortable talking to Uh and um, definitely I'm not a proponent of healing in isolation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I think that, um, but that didn't work for me. Yeah. Cause you know what? Satan puts it in our minds a lot of times that we can just deal with the whole situation by ourselves, but that's not how God created us. Exactly. He created us to be in fellowship. Yes, he did. Yes. And then you notice the more you're off to yourself and isolating yourself in your problem, the more you get into your head and the more it's just your thoughts there rather than having other sisters and brothers in Christ to feed in the truth and remind you of God's truth and his wisdom yes. and his love, you know, and yes. what's in the scripture. But when we're by ourselves, we just will start constantly feeding upon our own I know. ideas and whatnot. Yes. And I think too, it's easier when if we begin to isolate, like the longer you're doing it, the easier it's for us to get more comfortable in it. You understand what I'm saying? That's true. Yes. Yeah. And it's hard to be vulnerable. It is. And it's hard to be vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, if somebody knows this about me now, what are they really going to think about me? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. but then in the end, God loves us all. And it's not about that. No, it's not. It's really not. So I think just, you know, getting past that helps people move on, get out of their comfort zone, seek help. And, um, and talk to God. Yes. Pray and talk mm-hmm. to God. And, um, he may not take all the pain away, but he will give you, you know, opportunities to heal and, and to make the best out of your situation. Amen. Especially Amen. if the situation isn't changing yes. quickly like, as you would like. Right. Oh, my word. I think yeah. we've all experienced that. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is so yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, because we want we want drive through healing, drive through therapy. Yeah. <laughs> like we go on to order food, we want drive through healing. Yeah, I know. 
worked for years of problems and we want them to be done. I know. Let's get this done over in one year. I know. Oh, we want them to be done yesterday. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what we want, though. Yeah, there's no easy way out. There's no easy way through healing, you know, no. for going through it. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you- I would tell somebody if you see a counselor and you're not comfortable and it isn't a good fit, you're the customer. You can change. That is true. Okay. It's okay to change. It's, it's not okay about you. You're not a bad person. Right. You know, it's not anything mm-hmm. you did. You can change. It has to right. be a good fit. And it does, doesn't it? That is so important because if it's not, you know, that could make or break the yes. sessions. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. If you're not getting yes. anything and then forever, whatever, for whatever reason, it's not a good fit, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So how did community play a role in healing your brokenness? I think just being involved in the church and, you know, we were very involved in uh, the Lutheran church in um, California. And so were our kids and it was a lovely church. We were there for 10 years, very innovative. Okay. Um, Yes. And um, I think just getting involved there, I worked, um, in the, you know, Sunday school classes and the, in VBS and, um, just had the opportunity to really share mm-hmm. God's love and God's word with these young kids. And of course, with my own kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. And what and, do you think? And then again, you know, not healing, being part of a community to heal and not doing it in isolation. And right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what do you think happens as a result of unhealed brokenness? Unfortunately, it can be passed from generation to generation. To, and it, um, I think it just steals the joy from the person. Like they could have so much more of God's joy and peace in their lives mm-hmm. if they take that step, initial mm-hmm. step to heal. Yeah. And like you said, and, and a lot of times we don't realize it too, though. You know what I mean? Like you said, the joy and peace, and you don't realize what you're missing out on. Yes. What you're not dealing with. Yeah. And to remind them, you know, and I have to remind myself a lot, a lot of this. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't say that right. That's I have okay. to remind myself this a lot that God is always at work and works on our behalf. Yes. And it's not like you have this problem and he's forgotten about you and he's not doing anything. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it seems like he's not like you're waiting and waiting patiently for something. And it seems like, gosh, God, are you, are you there? Are you listening? Are you right? Right. You know, when is it my turn? I've done that. (laughs) Right. I know. I I, I know. And that, I think that's just so, it is hard. It's hard being in God's waiting room. It is. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And there's a book that talks about that. Um, something about God's timing. It's all about God's timing and waiting. It is. And it the really author is. talks about uh, her times in the waiting room and how difficult mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The name of the book escapes me now, but I could yeah. let you know later. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. This has been really good. And I just have one last question for you. Okay. What does the word home mean to you? 
home is where the heart is. Ah. <laughs> Maybe a little corny, but just home is family and home is how you treat each other. You yeah. gonna have a safe environment or are you not? You know, are you going to, uh, you know, ask for forgiveness? Are you going to extend grace or are you not going to do that? And um, yeah, and I know every circumstance is different and, and sometimes that can't play out for different reasons, different circumstances. Right. But um, yeah, that's what's home for me. And not necessarily, you know, my pieces of furniture, this and that, which of course that's not, can be nice, but more how family members treat each other mm-hmm. and how they, yeah. Okay. Wow. This has been so nice, Victoria. I want to thank you so much. Thank you. I, yeah, I loved it. And, um, I'd love to do it again if the opportunity arises or oh, for sure. if there are other, you know, um, I could talk more about my travels in Italy. and Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes, yes. I definitely will welcome you back with open arms. Yes. Thank you. It's so, so relaxing and so fun talking to you. Oh, thank you. You're so engaging and I can, um, you're just so easy to talk to and I'm glad to hear that. It's been a pleasure being here today. Yes, thank you. And you have a great rest of your day. (laughs) Okay. Yes, God bless. God bless you, Katina. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to episode 84 entitled An Interview with Victoria Coberly, part two. I hope that you were able to get something out of the episode today, something resonated with you, whether it was brokenness, writing, uh, your career path, the pandemic, or it might have been homeschooling, or some of the examples that Victoria uh, gave and that you just felt the Holy Spirit uh, during the interview. And I want to give a special shout out to Timothy Horton for our intro and outro music that he brings in every week.
makes no sense I'm trying to do it on my own Thank you. 